in the morning when you need the news that matters most. They can kiss my f***ing ass right downtown and print it. You need the front page. All these mother editorials. On the press box. They're really, really behind you around here. My f***ing ass. With Graney and Bischoff. Rip them mother f***ers. Rip them suckers like the f***ing players. The Nuggets beat the 76ers last night, 114 to 110. They erased a 19-point deficit at a big comeback win. And Ed, I'm going to have to ask you a question. Can you identify the player in this audio? Back over to Bones. He's open for three. Fourth three-pointer of the half for Bones Island. I have a better uh, uh, chance of identifying who the Raiders signed this morning. I've never heard of that guy in my life. <laughs> Bones Highland had 21 hit four threes in that game. The only reason I know the name Bones Highland could not recognize his face until last night is because his name is Bones and he's like one of the skinniest players in the NBA. Like he is just legitimately all Bones. Okay. Which I'm okay. guessing is where his name comes from. But like he... He was a first-round draft pick, and I remember it was like, oh, yeah, skinny dude named Bones. But he was a first-round draft pick? Yeah, I think late, late first round. But I, listen, I could not have told you where he went to school. I would not have been able to tell you he played for the Nuggets until last night. No. No chance. But he had 21 points. He had four threes. Big day for Bones Highland because the Nuggets beat the Sixers. And by the way, the Sixers right now, since they've gotten James Harden, they have played the last four games against playoff teams. They have beaten Chicago and Cleveland, but they've lost to Brooklyn and Denver in their last two games against playoff teams. So I'm I'm curious. He, they got off to a really hot start, but it was like two games against the Knicks. Like there was a magic game in there. So this is what usually happens when we don't know about a person. First of all, you went and I checked at VCU. I see three he- two headlines. Bones Highland. Highland with firefighters who saved his life in the stands. And the next is Bones Highland and his remarkable story. So there's always great stories behind people you've never heard of. And apparently firefighters saved this guy's uh, this guy's life. Nuggets Bones Highland shares emotional night with his biggest fans. Something happened to this. We got to find out what happened to Bones Highland. More on Bones Highland later, later in the on. show. My goodness. Next question. Carl Anthony Towns scored 60 points last night. T-Wolves beat the Spurs 149-139. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns, 19 of 31 shooting. He hit seven of 11 threes and is another 50 point game in the NBA because these are happening every single night at this 60. point. 60. Yeah. So that's a big number. It's a lot bigger than 50. Um, here's only one by 10. Yeah, here's some tweets, by the way, from John Calipari. He says, I left Carl Anthony Towns a voicemail saying, heard you had 32 points last night, even though I knew he had 32 and one quarter alone. <laughs> Immediately, he calls back, and as soon as I answer, he yells 60. I told him I needed to, I needed him to sign the game ball and send it to me so I can put it in my office, and he said he's going to send me a TV instead so I can watch the replay of him winning the three-point contest because I never let him shoot threes. That is awesome. Those are awesome quotes. I love Calipari intentionally like being like, hey, I heard you had a good game and 32. scored 32 last night. And then I love Carl Anthony Towns being like, listen here, you never let me shoot threes. Do you know how good I would have been at Kentucky if you'd let me shoot threes? 7-11. That's ridiculous. Imagine like that guy that size being 7-11 for three. and 17. Yeah. God, what a game. Man, you know, that's a great question. The Lakers lost to the Raptors last night. Speaking and they, of the opposite. And they missed their first 16 three-pointers of the game. 
16 three-pointers of the game. One question for you on the Lakers. Uh, JBT no. suggested this last night. Should they shut down LeBron? Like, should he just be well, done? Well, he, he's got a bad knee. He played last night with a bad knee. They are 25 out. They're headed at best for the play-in game. I mean, I'm not saying it's a wrong decision. It would be the wrong decision by JB, what JBT suggested. Do you think LeBron cares at all about simply making the playoffs to say no. he made the playoffs? Like, legacy-wise, to be like, didn't didn't uh, miss the playoffs. Oh, that's a great question. Because he wants to win rings all the time. Yeah. I don't know. I don't it, know. That's a great question on if his ego right. would get in the way for his, his legacy that he never missed. Right. I don't know. I don't know if he cares about know. that, but it's. But it wouldn't surprise me if he did. Right. Also. If he's looking around saying, "Listen, I've never missed the playoffs." Yes, yeah, that wouldn't surprise not, me if he did. Even if, even if he knows we're not going anywhere, we're not, <laughs> we're not even get out of playing right. rounds. It, just for him to be able to say, or for anybody to be able to say, "Well, LeBron never missed the playoffs." I, because again, I don't know how much he cares about the LeBron MJ argument, but one of the arguments against Michael Jordan is that he didn't always make the playoffs. Right. That there were years that he didn't. The Bulls weren't in the playoffs and. Maybe that's something that I don't know if he missed it this year. I don't know if 20 years down the line, anyone would think he did miss it. Probably not. They'd probably like, yeah, there's no way that guy ever missed the playoffs. Because for the most part with Jordan, it's, well, he won six rings. Right. Right. Won everything. No one one talks about making the playoffs. Right. And we forget about the Wizards years, too. It's like, whatever. We remember the prime, which we'll probably do with LeBron, I assume. But he's had such a long prime. There's I don't know. He's scoring 50s in games now. Right. I don't know. Is and he still in his prime? He's, that's true. <laughs> he's still good. Like, you're not, you're not shutting down LeBron because, ah, he's struggling. No, like, he's scoring 50s. He's the one guy on the team that's any good. Russell Westbrook, before last night, was shooting 9% from three since the All-Star break. That's been, like, brutal. What are we, a month from the All-Star game? That's yeah. a long time to be that bad from three. I'm out. The NBA has fined the Nets $50,000. Kyrie Irving was in the locker room with the team on Sunday. He was allowed to be at the game as a fan, but not a part of the team, and they let him in the locker room. So, And they knew it. Yes. $50,000 fine is what the Nets get effectively for violating COVID protocols by allowing Kyrie Irving in there. I, I mean, they, they violated the rules. Like, I don't... Even no, as, they knew as, it. They as knew it dumb as it looks to have Kyrie can be there as a fan, but right. not actually playing the games, you still can't break a rule that you know is a rule. Was he a fan on the bench? No, he was in seats. He has... Oh, he was. He has his family or whatever has season tickets or something. And he, he was... He was in the seats? He was in, in the seats. That is bizarre. Yeah. That he's in the stands. Yeah. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's bizarre. I know where his dad sits. His dad sits under the basket because they go and hug each other after every game. Although that's that's on the road. His dad's always under the basket hugging him. Maybe his dad goes to every road game. I've seen his dad like hug him after three really? games. You know, and it had to be on the road. Well, it's only got half the games to go to. So yeah, maybe they can do it. That's crafty wording right there. I give you credit. <laughs> All right, in the world of college basketball, South Carolina fired Frank Martin. Remember when he was linked to UNLV? Yeah. Twice, both times they've done a coaching search. He got 10 years out of South Carolina. That's, that's good money. Was he there 10 years? I think he was there, yeah, I think he was there 10 years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is a long time. A long made time. The, made the sort of miraculous Final Four run. Right. I don't think they've been back to the NCAA tournament since then, right? No, I don't think they have. They went to the Final Four and the then Final just Four. fell off the face of the earth. I mean, well, went back to where South Carolina basketball's always been, right? So... One one good run out of Frank Martin, and that's pretty much been it for his South Carolina tenure. But I, I just enjoyed that the former name that was linked to UNLV is now fired at South Carolina. 
What do you think? Also in the SEC, Mike White. He left Florida. Okay, I didn't see this. For, for Georgia. Um, seven he, years at Florida. Mike White made the NCAA to tournament. Leave? Yeah, Mike White made the NCAA tournament four times in seven years. Probably would have made it a fifth if COVID hadn't canceled one. But four times in seven years, he did make one Elite Eight. But he left to go to Georgia. Now, a lot of times you, that's writing down the wall and you know right. you better get the hell out. There was... I don't know. Assumption's probably too strong of a word, but there was possibility that he was going to get fired right. from Florida. So a lot of times and you get out. This might be him getting ahead of it and taking the job at Georgia. Georgia has not been to the NCAA tournament since 2015. Uh, are is this basically just no expectations? Yeah, I mean, I think it's like like I said. I a lot of times you know it's coming down, and you know you might get fired. And there's Georgia who's going to give you a five or six year deal, so you start getting more security that way. I'm sure, they're paying them a lot of money. Um, that's what I see in these things. I don't know what else the reason would be he'd go to Georgia from Florida. Yeah. He was really good at Louisiana Tech for mm-hmm. three seasons. He's, by the way, he's an Ole Miss grad. And oh. Ole Miss totally missed here. They should have fired Kermit Davis and hired Mike White. But they let Georgia steal him instead. So now he's just going to stay in the SEC and probably not win anything because Georgia's not any good at basketball. Yeah, great question. Yeah, again, great question. Iowa State got an 11 seed in the NCAA tournament. So TJ TJ Otzelberger took over a team that was two and twenty-two the year before and has them in the NCAA tournament the very next season. They went twenty and twelve, only seven and eleven in the Big Twelve. Not a great conference record, but Big Twelve a very good conference. Uh, they did finish top fifty in Ken Palm in the regular season at A. And here's sort of the question I have when we talk about UNLV and sort of expectations. People are very excited about an 18 and 14 season in which UNLV doesn't play any postseason basketball. Shouldn't we expect more in quick turnarounds Mm. in college basketball? I mean, it's the one sport you can turn around quickly, especially now with the portal. And it happens The portal's made it a lot easier to go in there and get kids and turn them around. And a lot of coaches yeah. come in, and within two years, They're in the they've NCAA got a program tournament. turned I mean, around. in the NCAA tournament the first year. And it, and again, the team went 2-22 and 22 last year. He did not take over middle-of-the-road Big 12 team. Right. He took over a 2-22 and 22 program. So do you think he's a better coach than you thought when he was here? No, I've always thought Otzelberg was a good coach. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know how. Yeah. I didn't know what you thought of him. Oh, I've always thought he's a good coach. I think he massively whiffed on his second recruiting class at UNLV. He went into his his second year at UNLV was let's build around Bryce Hamilton and let's get unathletic, high skill guys that didn't have high enough skill to make up for their lack of athleticism, and it didn't work. He whiffed on that second recruiting class. But can't whiff on many recruiting classes right. and still be good. Right. And that was the that was the biggest problem. His last season at UNLV was they did not get in good enough players. They just didn't get in good enough players. And but as an actual coach, I think he's terrific. I think he's uh, I I'd, I'd hire the guy. I'm not going to argue. He yeah. went from 2 wins to 20 and he went right. to the NCAA tournament. I mean, he's basically had one bad season in his entire coaching division one coaching career, right? He was great at South Dakota state. They either won the conference or the regular season uh, championship all three years. He was there. His first year at UNLV was a lot like Kevin Kruger's first year where they got better as the season ended. Didn't go anywhere. And then year two at UNLV, they were not good. And now he's in the NCAA tournament after a team was two and 22. I, yeah, I think he's a tremendous coach. I think that's like Desiree Francois made a really good hire with Otzelberger. The problem is, is, he had a dream job that came open, which right. keeps continuing to be a problem for you and LP. Happy to move on to the, to the next question here, Aaron. Uh, are you surprised that the announcer 
carousel we've seen this offseason. Kirk Herbstreet's going to Amazon for Thursday Night yeah, Football. Um, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, Troy Aikman are, are both going to ESPN, aren't ESPN they? ESPN for Monday yeah. Night Football. How uh, much was Joe Buck making from Fox? Because here's the fascinating part with Joe Buck and Fox. He was NFL, right? Fox's biggest games were always Joe Buck. But he also did the World Series. So Joe Buck would have a crazy schedule in the fall where he would be doing football. He would do the World Series. His The one-off day, he'd go call a football game on Sunday, right? Crazy schedule. I have to imagine his schedule is going to be much better now. Where he, If he's only doing Monday Night Football, he's going to have a, for him, that's going to be an easy schedule. One game a week on Monday? Yeah, no problem. And I wonder if he's getting paid more now than he was at Fox. Joe Buck, $10 million a year. Um Troy Aikman was at 7.5. That's what they were getting? Yes. Okay. Doesn't say. I don't know what they're getting. Yeah. I wonder if Joe Buck is now getting more money to do less games. Because he's not going to do the World Series. He's working for ESPN, not Fox anymore. You know who's making more than both of them? Tony Romo. Oh. Who's going to be his partner now? Yeah. That's a good question. So, according to The Athletic, four days ago, uh, Buck's contract... Could be in the range of five years, sixty to seventy-five million dollars. Okay. So he's getting paid he's more getting, money he's to getting do paid less work. A lot work. more money to do less work. It's a great it's what setup. We all want. It's a great setup. All right, coming up next, we jump into the Golden Knights. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. I have a Joe Buck update for you. So he left Fox. He had a year left on his contract, but he left Fox to go to ESPN. ESPN traded Fox an Ohio State football game. So Notre Dame at Ohio State was going to be on ESPN this year because Joe Buck is leaving to let him leave early. Fox was like, we need a football game. And And they took took the opener, Ohio State, Notre Dame. ESPN gave him Notre Dame at Ohio State. It's great. Announcer got traded for a football game. Game to be named later. Yeah, basically. That's what it was. (laughs) <laughs> that's pretty awesome. That is one of the strangest trade details I think we've ever seen. You'll yeah. see some weird ones with some some players getting traded around, or like the Golden Knights traded Mark Andre Fleury for a player and then renounced his rights, and he just went right back to Chicago system. Uh, but Joe Buck effectively traded for a football game. It's a pretty good one there. Uh, so there's your Joe Buck update on the Golden Knights. Oh wait, wait, wait! I do have one other update for you. A Raiders update. Big offseason news. They reworked the contract of Andre James. His new cap hit is just $1.58 million. (laughs) His previous cap hit was like over three. So the Raiders have saved like a million bucks here. It's going to be a big day. It's a big day for the Raiders already. It is. They signed Darius Phillips and Andre James. He's not going to count nearly as much against the cap. Now, on the Golden Knights here, team that is uh, potentially looking at missing the playoffs. We'll see if that actually does happen. Two-part question for you. Should the Golden Knights fire somebody? And if they should, should it be before the season ends or before the trade deadline so they can try to salvage what happens this year? I don't think they should fire anyone. Um, My point that I've already made is the easy part is to say the coach, and I don't think it's that easy because, and I know we have down here about Bill Foley, I think in the end, they're all going to use the reasoning and slash excuse of the injuries. And I think everyone's going to survive because of the injuries. Does Bill Foley care about that? Well, this team misses the playoffs or loses in the first round. 
I think he's going to get talked into it, much like Mark Davis is talked into. We can compete right now. I think he's going to get talked into it by McPhee that, hey, how in the world can you make changes with this many injuries? I think he'll. I think that will be Bill Foley's. When we ask him about it, his company line will be well. We just had too many injuries. It's a fluke season. We got to, you know, we'll be healthy next year. So, because if we went back to the start of the season and we said on March 15th, the Golden Knights are, are points percentage wise, ninth best in the West. They, but we didn't know about the injuries. Right. We didn't know about the injuries. We just oh, knew this team was not any good. We someone just, was in trouble. We'd assume somebody probably yeah. already was fired, exactly. right? Exactly. So yes. the injuries certainly are an excuse and the injuries have yes. probably prevented somebody from being fired already. Right? Sure. I mean, if they were this bad and fully healthy. Pete DeBoer's probably gone right. like a long time ago. So the injuries matter and the injuries are going to be used. I'm just fascinated to see because here, here's the other part. Doing it now, right? In terms of firing somebody? If they, if they fired somebody now, I don't know that that helps anything. I don't know, like, because if you're, if you're in the situation the Golden Knights are in, if you're going to fire somebody right now, it's because either A, you're firing the coach because you think, hey, we need a new voice and this guy will make it better. Right. And I don't know that that's happening. Right. I don't, I don't know that a new coach walking in is going to significantly change what's happening to the golden Knights. Maybe, maybe it's what Darren Millard told us last week, a new coach, you get three straight wins, no matter what. So maybe, but I, I don't think that's going to make a substantial difference in the golden Knights. I think the, the bigger issue is they're not healthy and the roster is just not good at the moment. Depleted. If you f- you wouldn't really fire a general manager. Yeah, I don't think you fire those guys mid season in the mid in the middle no. of the season unless you were like afraid of what they were going to do. Like if Bill Foley in terms of roster manipulation, right. well, just like like let's just say Bill Foley was like, I want to go for it, and McPhee and McCrimmon were like, eh, it's probably better if we don't pull pull back a little this year, and we you know maybe we sell a piece at the deadline instead of buy a piece. Foley be like, well, that's not what I want to do. See you later, right? Like if if there's a disagreement on what they should do with the roster right now, that's the only reason you would do it is if if that if you're afraid of what they're going to do with the trade deadline. Otherwise, if you're making a front office move, you're going to wait till the season's over. I think Foley is a lot more savvy than he was when he first bought the team for in hockey. I mean, that's going to happen. I don't think he. I hope much so. About yeah, I hope so. <laughs> of the inner workings of the NHL and how things work, and I think he would still have enough faith in McPhee then McPhee said look these injuries are just too much it's not happening this year let's reset let's not do a bunch of crazy stuff at the deadline like we usually do and try to go out and get a bunch of names and I think McFoley while not happy with that internally would not fire McPhee the, or, or McCrimmon I think the one interesting part of this because I I would be shocked if well maybe if they sh- miss the playoffs do you think everyone's coming back no if they miss, oh, if they miss the playoffs, I think somebody's getting fired. Well, then I would think it's DeBoer. I would I would assume DeBoer too. I think there's also the chance that Kelly McCrimmon would get fired as sort of a scapegoat for McPhee, depending on what Bill Foley was specifically mad at, right? If like, and that's the other part of this. I assume Bill Foley's unhappy, right? Even with sure. the injuries, I assume he's not happy with where sure. the team is at the moment. I am curious where he thinks most of the blame goes. Like, does he walk down and say, "Listen"? We're hurt, but this team is not playing well enough. It's still a good enough roster. If he thinks that's the case, then Pete DeBoer's the problem, and he fires Pete DeBoer. Or does he walk down and say, listen, our roster's not good enough. You put us in this situation with all these moves you made, and now we're hurt and we can't do anything. That's the front office that he'd be blaming. So I, I have to imagine, A, he's not happy, and B, he's got to... Even if you even if you'd use the injuries as the number one reason, there's still got to be a second level of, okay, 
what else is the problem here? Like, there's still going to be some blame that's put on somebody. I just don't know if there's enough to fire somebody. I do think if they they miss entirely, I think somebody's fired. I still think that up until this point, and here's the thing. They haven't had a lot of bad things happen to them, right? This is the first season. I mean, they've been good the entire time they've been here. So it's always been hard. We even thought Gallant was kind of a strange firing when it happened. I still think if it goes to the end of this year and they don't make the playoffs, that not enough blame will be given to the front office. I still think Foley really leans on those guys, even though he's a lot savvier and probably knows a lot more about pro hockey at this point five years in. I would hope, like you said, I would hope he's learned. (laughs) Look, he's obviously a smart guy, so I would hope he would have learned a lot between now and then. But if you tell me they miss and – the front office says, you know, Pete just didn't work out. I think he's going to follow their lead. If they effectively if they say, put it on Pete DeBoer. Yes, if they say, effectively put it on him and say, yeah. you know what, we gave him enough players. And, you know, he kept, he even kept saying, oh, we got enough in the room. That's the other thing about Pete. He keeps, you know, what was his quote or the other day? Well, it looked like we were, we were going to win all these games and we found a way to lose. Is that on the coaching? Yeah, it's not a great. It's by not the way, a great quote for a head coach when you say you found a way to lose. That's not. That's not a great quote for a head coach. Right. And it's not a great quote to give when your team is terrible at the moment. I mean, grab like, your nuts is a good quote. <laughs> it's a great quote. Not just a good quote. It's a great quote. But we found ways to lose is a few things. One, throwing your team under the bus a little. I mean, if you, who, who found ways to lose? Yeah. But two, I still don't think it's a great quote for a coach. I think if they don't make the playoffs, someone will go. And I just think odds heavily always favor the coach in that situation. Yeah. I also think worst case scenario in terms of like job security for McPhee, McCrimmon and DeBoer is if they get fairly healthy and make the playoffs and lose in the first round. Like I. Yeah. I, because everyone's saying, well, wait till we get everybody right. back. And are they going to get everyone back? Probably, Probably not. not. But if they have Stone, Pacioretty, Leonard, Leonard Braden McNabb and, and like those guys are back. Right. And they lose in the first round. To even, I mean, they get in a wild card. They're going to play Calgary or Colorado. They're probably going to be underdogs. But if they get the majority of these guys back, but lose in like five games in the first round, I think somebody's definitely fired yeah. then, right? Like if this team is close to full health and they're losing the first round, I think Foley's looking around saying, what the hell? Yeah. I was waiting. What happened? We got healthy. You, and, said, you said once we got healthy, we'd be okay. And we still lost in five to Calgary. And they'd be like, well, they didn't have time to gel and play together. Right. Whatever. Right. Like you're losing five to Calgary or something like that's that first round exit's not what the Golden Knights are here for. So it's a very interesting situation because the team has like it's been a failure of a season so far, but there is a massive caveat as to why they've been a sure. failure and sure. how much Foley leans on that versus just viewing it as a failure. I'm absolutely fascinated to see because the actual results based on expectation would suggest probably everybody should be fired. Like yes. if they were this bad and fully healthy, it's probably oh, everybody you, you clean house. But given the injuries, there's reason not to fire people and there's reason to bring people back or give them, you know, the next chance on it. I just don't know how forgiving Bill Foley will be given that he wants to win a Stanley Cup yeah. really badly. All right, coming up next, Charles McDonald joins the show. <laughs> You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Joining us now is Charles McDonald. You can follow him on Twitter at 4Verts. Good morning, Charles. How are you today? 
I'm all right. How are you guys doing today? Good, good. By the way, new spot for Charles. Underdog fantasy is where he's at now. Um, do you think Tom Brady just got tired of his kids after a month? Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, I, I kind of think that he got he got uh, home and was like, I don't know how to be a normal person. Uh, <laughs> I, like, what was the last time Tom Brady, his life like did not revolve around playing football? Like 1990, like 30 years ago? Uh so I, I, I kind of think that he got out of there and was like, actually, I don't know how to be a civilian. Uh, my body still feels good, so I'm going to give it another go. Uh, and honestly, I don't think that he's going to retire after this year either because uh, the thing that's interesting about Tom Brady, like, he's still playing like the top five quarterback, uh, even though, you know, he's about 45, 46 years old. Uh, and honestly, like, if he, if he looks like he did last year, I don't see why he couldn't play so almost 50 because it's not like he's aging like normal quarterbacks. Uh, obviously, the Bucs, like, they have a really talented team, but, uh, you know, this is a situation where it's not like, you know, Brett Favre coming back for the Jets and he looks terrible. You know, you, you know you're going to get at least, you know, elite quarterback play, uh, you know, uh, unless the, 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 the roof just falls out and uh, Tom Brady is, is washed and terrible this year. I mean, does the one move suddenly put them back into contention? I mean, it, it's like he never left, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're right back in contention because the rest of the team is still good. I know you lost Alex Kappa uh, in free agency, but you know you franchise Chris Godwin, so if he's healthy, uh, that's going to be a big weapon that Tom already knows. Uh, you reached on Carlton Davis, so this is still a team that's good. This is still a team that was like inches away from completing a comeback in the divisional round to upset the Rams. So, you know, when I look at the, the, the Bucks, like, they're right, obviously right back to the top of the NFC South. I, and I think you have to consider them contenders again when you look at how good they've been over the past few years of Brady at the helm. And it's not like you've shown, you know, worrying signs of decay where it's going to fall off and you won't be able to play this year. What do you think Jacksonville is doing? I don't know. It's kind of, kind of doing the thing that Jacksonville does every few years where – they're like, all right, we got a boatload of cap space and a rookie quarterback or a quarterback on a young on a contract. So, like, they they take the steps to because you know the, what we do is we say the most valuable thing in sports is a good rookie quarterback on a rookie contract because you know you're going to get higher upper 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 echelon play for a guy that you're not paying all that much. But you know the Jaguars like they, they get through the cycle where it's just like, all right, well we have the guy whether it's Blake Bortles or Blake Gabbert or, you know, now Trevor Lawrence, I think is a good deal better than both of them. Now it's time to, to go all in. But they just go all in on the weirdest guys, like Christian Kirk, Dave <laughs> Jones, Evan Ingram, Foye, Luka. Look, I, I've watched, I, I've watched Foye basically every, every game he's played in the NFL uh, because you know, he was part of the Falcons for a few years. You got worse at linebacker going from Miles Jack to Foye. Like, I can guarantee that uh, with almost – like 100% certainty. You know, he's going to rack up. You know, he got, I think he almost had over 200 tackles last year, but it's not like he's making a huge impact like when these tackles are being made. He's got the speed to uh, get turnovers and stuff like that. But for the most part, a lot of these moves are just been pretty baffling. I like the, the Brandon Scherf move, and uh, I, I will say I, I think they got better, but, you know, when you talk about free agency, it's always about getting better at the right price. And, you know, my, my buddy Cole, uh, Cole Hartley on Twitter put a, a funny tweet out there last night. He's a big-time Jaguars fan. He's like, man, if the Jaguars just make 
a pick at 33 with a, get a sub receiver, maybe we'll have a top 30 receiving room in the NFL. And uh, that's kind of how it, it feels like they're at right now because I don't really think that you can say that this is a good group of pass catchers. Uh, Deshaun Watson and all these teams now, are, are some teams are talking to him now, but as we were saying earlier, yes, the criminal part might be done, but the civil part isn't. What do you think the odds are if someone made a move on him that he'd go on the suspended list anyway? I mean, isn't this a big risk until you until you know how the league will respond to Deshaun Watson? Yeah, it's a risk, but it's a much it's a much smaller risk than it was about a week ago when because you can't make that trade for Deshaun Watson if you if you don't know if he's going to be in prison or not. You know that that's a that's that's kind of it's insane. Uh, so now that the NFL teams have gotten that out the way. It's just like, okay, now we're looking back at suspensions that other guys have served for time uh, or, or, you know, for conduct detrimental to the league, which <laughs> this definitely counts as conduct detrimental to the league and uh, in, in their image and stuff like that. Uh, so I, I don't think he's going to get, you know, more than a year. I, I, I would be surprised if he got more than a year, but I think anywhere from like 10 like 12, 14 games is on the table just when you look at the amount of, you know, civil suits that he has. And even though he didn't get criminally charged, this is something that Roger Goodell definitely cares about. I don't know how he's going to fully address it, but, you know, the fact that he's not going to serve prison time for this definitely clears the way for a lot of teams to start, uh, you know, getting the mix of trade. And you see, you know, the, the Panthers in the Saints and today Aaron Wilson with uh, Pro Football Network, he, he reported that, the Browns were also uh, the Browns were also going to talk to Deshaun Watson this week, so I I still think it's kind of a risk, but the risk is a lot less. Don't you know that if you trade for Deshaun Watson and you know he still has what two three years left in his contract, you're actually going to get him on the field for the vast majority of that. Do you think the Chargers are actually going to be good next year? Or are they going to do what we've come accustomed to them doing and not actually win anything? Well, I think they can be good and be underachievers at the same time. Like I kind of feel like that's where they're where they're at. Because the thing, the, where I look at the Chargers, it's like I know Justin Herbert's good. I know Derwin James is good. I know Keenan Allen's good. I know Mike Williams is good. I know you know the left tackle they drafted last year from Northwestern. I know he's good. Uh, I know Joey Bosa's good. <laughs> it's, they have a lot of good players. Now we can say I know J.C. Jackson's good. I know Sebastian Joseph Day is good. Uh, but it's just. They just don't ever seem to pull it together for whatever reason. Um, and, you know, I, I, I kind of, as a Falcons fan, I kind of like in the, uh, the, the Chargers, the Vikings, and the Falcons. They're like the three, you know, ugly ducklings of the NFL where they, like, you've got something to get, like, a little bit excited about every year, whether, you know, it's a Justin, Justin Herbert, uh, a Justin Jefferson, a Kyle Pitts. Like, it's something that gets you coming back every year. But some, you just know somewhere along the line, they're going to hurt you, whether it's, Week 18, where all you have to do is just not be a dumbass and you can get to overtime and, <laughs> and tie out and get to the playoffs, or, you know, if the Falcons do a 28-3 or the Vikings do whatever crap they do, those teams just can't get out of their own way. But the problem is there's always just enough to keep you coming back for more. You know, because at, at the end of the day, what Chargers fan is going to turn down a chance to watch Justin Herbert? None of them are, because he's incredible. He's amazing. And that's what makes rooting for these teams so frustrating. Uh, Vegas kind of waiting around. Kirk Cousins gets extended. All these quarterbacks signing and extended. And here's Derek Carr, and nobody knows anything. Um, but Kirk Cousins gets 35 and then 40. 
Um, it seems like that's the Derek Carr number uh, if, in fact, they extend him, but nobody knows if they're going to do that. Are you surprised at this point they give Crosby the money but nothing on Carr? There's, like, not even a whisper about what they're going to do with him. Um, I'm a little surprised because, you know, just when you look at the, when you, when you look at the AFC West now, I kind of feel like you need to have Derek Carr on your roster because what are you going to do? Like, are you going to trade him and just roll over and die because the other teams have Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Russell Wilson now. So I'm kind of surprised that they haven't uh, extended him yet. When you just look at the, the market for what quarterbacks are going for, um, I mean, even someone like Mitch Trubisky, he signed a deal that's worth up to, you know, I think it was like 14 guaranteed up to uh, $27 million. That's just kind of the rate as that starting quarterbacks go for. If you're going to get a guy who's not a rookie, you're probably going to end up paying like at least, you know, $15 million a year for like the bad guy. So, when you're talking about someone like Derek Carr and you look at Kirk Cousins extension, like that absolutely should be what he's trying to get, you know, 35, 40 ish million dollars a year, because the cap's going to keep going up. These contracts are going to get crazy and crazier. I mean, Aaron Rodgers just signed for what, $50 million a year, uh, you know, today and this weekend. So I think that um, when you look at where the, the, the Raiders are with Derek Carr, I am surprised that there hasn't been a, uh, an extension yet, just because I don't think that this is the right time for you to blow this thing up because who knows when you're going to be competing again if you don't have a quarterback in this specific division. Who are you more tired of this offseason, Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady? Oh, Aaron Rodgers for sure. I mean, I was, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, you know, he retired. I kind of expected him to come back just because he was still playing so well. But Aaron Rodgers, too, like, he made all this fuss last year. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to leave. I'm not going to stay. I want to be traded. I want I want to have the same personnel. And you got Randall Cobb. I was like, okay, that's fine. Uh, you got what you wanted, but at the end of the day, you just made this huge fuss to go back uh, to Green Bay on a new contract. And it's a contract where they can't even, like, even consider trading you because I think I saw uh, today if, if he gets traded or something like that, it's going to be a uh, – <laughs> Uh, a dead cap hit of like $68 million for the Green Bay Packers next year. So you're locked in, buddy, and you went through all this nonsense to made all these people upset at you just to stay where you're at. Like, you couldn't even give us a dopamine trade-off of like a big trade to another team. It's just enough of Aaron Rodgers. Just be quiet and go play in Green Bay so we can move on with our lives. Well, he is Charles McDonald. Again, follow him on Twitter at 4Verts. He is now at Underdog Fantasy. Charles, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Charles. All right. See ya. So there's Charles McDonald. <laughs> okay, just the statement, dead cap hit of $68 billion. What did he just say? Like, that's like, you kind of pause, you go, what? Um, do you, should we add any other teams to his little trifecta there of Vikings, Chargers, Falcons as teams that are always like, yeah, you're, you're kind of good. Something might, something good might happen there, but it never actually does. Chargers are the best example all I the way back to San Diego. Yeah. They were always going to be good. And then they'd come up and nothing would happen. I mean, didn't they have a what, year? What were they? Number one in, num- in uh, total yards offensively and number one in yards yes. allowed defensively and didn't make the playoffs? And they didn't make playoffs. What other team am I thinking of that they're always supposed to be good? It might not even be in football. But I always laugh every year. I don't think it's – it might be the Seattle Mariners. <laughs> it might be like, you know what? <laughs> this is the year for the Seattle Mariners. And then they start, you know, the first month of the, the season, Angels. they're in first place. The Angels, Angels. They, teams like that, the first month they're in the first place, and then you look in the standings like two months and he's like, yeah, you're out. Yeah. But I, I think that's a that's a good NFL trifecta. Uh, Vikings, Falcons, Chargers. That are supposed to be good yeah. and just never are. And you're kind of – because it's not – listen, none of those 
those aren't the Jags, right? Right, right. Those aren't the Texans. We're not looking at that saying, wow, they're off. You've got no chance. It's not, you know, the Browns the last two decades where it's like, oh boy, you guys might go and 16 again. Like, no, like these are good football teams for the most part. They just find a way to lose to the Texans in the third to last game of the year. Rex Burkhead runs for like 200 yards. And that's why the Chargers don't go to the playoffs effectively. So it happens. All right. Coming up next. Where's my MLS team? You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. We have a great bracket contest on our website, lvsportsnetwork.com. You can win up to $1,500 in prizes. That includes mac and cheese for a year from my heart mac and cheese a two-night staycation and dinner for two at the sahara a pair of tickets to a Golden knights game and an autographed jersey lvsportsnetwork.com right in the middle there's a little rotating banner click on the las vegas march mania challenge and fill out your bracket there and you might be able to win one of these prizes uh, brought to you by finley honda henderson in the valley auto mall and espn las vegas uh, i gotta fill mine out did you fill out your bracket yet uh, for my bracket pool. Uh, but you filled one out. Yesterday we did a show and you didn't fill one out. Filled out two. Okay. In two our, different ones? Yeah. In our pool, you can uh, pay a certain amount of money and you get to fill out two of them. Wow. That's that's illegal. Well, it works every year. I so. know. It should be against the rules, though. I don't like it. Uh, you're not involved. <laughs> so <laughs> we're not really worried about that. We're not going to cancel the bracket pool that we've been doing for 25 years because you don't like I it. Ju- I just think you should be allowed to have one entry. Two entries. You can have one. No, but I think everybody, just one entry. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. Make a pick and stick to it. Come on. What are your thoughts on filling out the bracket after the first four games? That's fine. I mean, nobody, yeah. Like, if you go on and try to fill it out right now and you want to pick Wyoming to win, you got to pick Wyoming slash Indiana in the first then you round. you got to pick Wyoming to beat St. Mary's. Right. So, that's fine. I don't. Does anybody even do the first four? I would probably like it more if you had to pick the first four. Our bracket has that already filled out says St. Mary's, and then under on the twelve it ha- twelve line it has Wyoming, Indiana. Yeah, Y O. So you're guessing right who might have won that game, and then you're putting on St. Right. Mary's through. You basically have to wait because if you like, if you think Indiana is going to beat St. Mary's, but you don't think Wyoming is, you have to wait and be like, oh. Right. That, that was my point. Like, do you do you play like do you hope your team in the first four wins that matchup because you pick first round or do you wait until after? I guess you wait because it'll be over tonight. Yeah. You gotta wait. Well, tomorrow. There's I didn't wait. Yeah. I got two brackets up. Well, you, you got one in case Wyoming wins and one in case <laughs> Wyoming loses, apparently. I so, put St. Mary's through on either line. LVSportsnetwork.com is uh, our website. Go fill out a bracket. Also, we are going to be out at the Westgate Thursday and Friday for the start of the NCAA tournament. Um, Viewing begins at 9 a.m. We'll be out there. Obviously, our show at 7. Doors open at 8. So coming out to the Westgate, uh, we'll be there at the Sportsbook. Cofield and company will be there in the afternoon as well. So both of our shows here on ESPN Las Vegas will be out at the Westgate on both Thursday and Friday. We'll be there for the first two days of the NCAA tournament. Now... Some NFL news. Well, I don't know if it's news, but Adam Schefter tweeted, the Falcons have emerged as a sleeper team to acquire Deshaun Watson. No. The Falcons, who we just talked about, who are always supposed to be good, are trying to get the quarterback to where they might be good. So 
two interesting parts on this to me. Number one, they still have Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan also has a massive cap hit at the moment. And if I remember correctly, if they can't just move him, I think that dead cap hit would stick with them. So making the money work would be fascinating for the Falcons. The other part that's interesting, we now have three NFC South teams that are apparently interested in Deshaun Watson. Watson. Panthers, Saints, and Falcons, which if you're the Texans, has to be best case scenario, right? But I you mean, move them out. I move mean, you got the AFC. Well, no, but I mean, you've got three teams, not only three oh, teams battle, bidding oh, against yeah, each in other. in the same division. But yes. three teams in the same yes. division bidding against each other yes. would, I have to imagine, be best case scenario. Right. So that's probably terrific for the Texans there. But yeah, the Atlanta Falcons, would that make any sense? No, what, you tell me, what are you going to do with Matt Ryan if you have to take the dead cap hit? Yeah. I mean, that doesn't I mean, make sense right there. I assume you're doing it for the future. I assume you're doing it with the expectation sure. I don't of, know what his contract is and when it runs out. Right, and I, I assume you're doing it for, hey, uh, Deshaun Watson, we're just going to guess he's suspended for the year or something close to it. We'll play one more year with Matt Ryan. It'll be a lost year because we're going to have 70 million in cap hit of, uh, against our quarterbacks. But then we'll figure out what to do with Matt Ryan and Deshaun Watson will be the quarterback in the future. Yeah. I guess that's what you're doing if you're the Atlanta Falcons. So, and I, I don't know. Do you think he gets traded? You think this actually happens, right? I think it does happen. Yeah, I think at does some happen. point somebody's going to have to actually pull the trigger on Deshaun yeah. Watson because I also think he could be on the suspended list. I think that that happens too. I think he probably gets traded, gets suspended. Yeah, probably happens in that order. And he probably and, it ha- probably happens fast. Right, and I would assume. Again, assumption here that any of these teams trading for Deshaun Watson have some general idea of. I would hope they've made what the some kind of inquiries be. as to what right. this will, what this is going to be to where whatever they give up. Like if they have, if he has to sit a year, I might do it. Yeah, I, I think you. I think you basically call the NFL and say, "Hey, if you suspend this guy, is it more than one season?" Right. Because if it's not. Then I probably trade for him. right, and if they're like, yeah, it's probably less than a season, then you then say, you definitely trade for him. All right, let's do it. Let's make it happen here. Because whatever you trade for him, and he's suspended for eight to sixteen or seventeen games, right? Okay, like you, you might still be punting know who on you the have year, coming. right? The next year after that would be, I guess, the important year. So there's Deshaun Watson. It's also, by the way, I still can't get over the fact that Deshaun Watson was not actually suspended last year; that he was just on the Texans roster getting paid. He practiced every day. I can't get over that. That he was on the Texans roster getting paid and they just didn't play him. And the NFL NFL never had to suspend him because the Texans just decided, yeah, we're just going to eat it. We're just going to let this guy sit here. Highest paid player on the team. Yeah, we're just going to we're just going to pay him and not play him the entire time. And not like if I was the Texans last year, I would have said, I mean, granted, Deshaun Watson probably didn't want to play for him, but I would have been like, dude's playing until the NFL tells us he's suspended. Like, why would I? I'm not going to sit around and suspend my own player by just having him sit there and get paid like the NFL wants to suspend him go for it but we're gonna play him as long as he's on the roster but they didn't do that did the NFL a big favor so Deshaun Watson somewhere in the NFC South but we're not really sure where it could be anywhere but Tampa Bay